At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back here with another edition of Finsider Daily. And today, we are going to talk about the Miami Dolphins' upcoming game against the Atlanta Falcons preseason game number one and the first for head coach Brian Flores. What can we expect? What are we going to see? And more importantly, what's going on with the latest quarterback competition? All of that and much more on today's Finsider Daily. And we're here with yet another edition of Finsider Daily. Thank you all for joining us yet again. We can't say it enough. Thank you for all the support that you have given us over the past two weeks as we have launched this new uh, venture in Finsider Daily, a spinoff of Finsider Radio. I am Matt Kanata. I am here with you today giving you a rundown of what to expect for Thursday's preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons and kind of talking a little bit about the various competitions happening through training camp, especially the quarterback competition. Before we dive all into that, just wanted to recap our Hall of Fame weekend with uh, Pro Football Network. Sutton was there. I was there, of course, and, and several others from PFN. It was a great time. We had a great time. We attended some of the ceremonies, uh, some of the enshrinement stuff, were credentials for it. And just an overall nice weekend to see these guys who have worked so hard all their lives to get that spot, that immortal spot, in the Hall of Busts right in Canton, Ohio. Sad story coming out of Canton, though, was the passing of sports writer Don Banks, obviously a very popular sports writer. 
We saw Don in the press box on Saturday night during the Hall of Fame ceremonies. He actually got up and spoke on the microphone in the press box, and he gave out an award to one of the uh, journalists who was retiring uh, that after that uh, weekend. And obviously no one knew that several hours later he would pass away. So, you know, I didn't know Don, never spoken to Don. I've read Don's work. I knew he was in the press box. I knew, you know, what he stood for. I'm not going to pretend I know him, but it's just surreal to kind of just be in that moment, right, and, and see him and, and full of life, and you, nothing was wrong. There was nothing wrong with him. And then wake up the next morning and then find out that he had passed away. So sad, sad moment for the uh, sports industry. Our thoughts and prayers are with Don's family and all those who knew him personally. No good segue from that, so we're going to just kind of transition how we need to transition, and that is with the Miami Dolphins' first preseason game on Thursday evening against the Atlanta Falcons. And a lot of interesting quotes coming out from Dolphins camp on Tuesday when Brian Flores was asked a few questions about who would play for how long, uh, who would be the starters, when would they come out of the game? How many snaps would they play and so forth? And Brian Flores was non-committal to all of it. Still hasn't named a starting quarterback, but it is most likely going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll dive into that in just a little bit. But what I thought was was good to hear, because we see preseason games, right? We see guys play three snaps, four snaps, one series, two series the most, and then they get out of the game and let the younger guys play. But when you have a new head coach and you're trying to install a new system, and you have two first-time coordinators who are calling plays for the first time, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is to have your starters on the field for as long as possible. Now, we're not saying keep them on the field for the entire first half. That would be foolish. But instead of just one series or two series, I would play. I would consider playing them almost the entire first quarter. Now, you may say that's crazy, but think about it. An average team probably gets around maybe maybe three drives on offense and defense in the first quarter when you, when you go back and forth with that. So I think that is a good, healthy amount to have. And I would like to see Brian Flores keep the starters on the field for that amount of time. Brian Flores is, of course, very excited to go into Thursday night's game. It's a chance for young players to shine, but it's also a chance for coaches to get their feet wet, such as Flores and others who are in this position for the first time. Obviously, Flores has been on the sideline for many, many years and has been in some of the biggest moments, but when you're the head coach, it takes on a different meaning. And for Flores, this is going to be a great test for him over the next four weeks and a great preparation as they get ready for the Baltimore Ravens in week one. Now, Flores said the other day that his coordinators, Patrick Graham and Chad O'Shea, will both be on the sidelines, and I am a big fan of that. I believe that the coordinators should be on the sidelines as they need to communicate with their players directly. Yes, it's great to have an eye in the sky, right? But it is not always the most practical thing when you're trying to communicate, when players are trying to tell you what they're seeing on the field and you trying to make adjustments on the fly. I don't think we've ever seen a Patriots assistant uh, coach slash coordinator be up in the booth. I mean, you think about Josh McDaniels, always on the field with Brady. You think about Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, all the guys who have come and gone through that system and as an assistant coach, Matt Patricia, um, 
who else was there? Bill O'Brien, Greg Schiano, all those guys, they have been on the field. And it's just a different type of communication when you're talking one-on-one to someone face-to-face than it is over the telephone. Uh, you can sense the emotion. You can sense the flow of the game. You get a better feeling for how everyone's feeling on the sidelines. You can kind of adjust your strategy based on that. Now, another reason why this is good is because you go back to Adam Gase, right? And he loved to obviously call the plays on offense and was never inclined to give that up. But what we saw way too often, and I know some people will say this is a small thing and people are making a big deal about it, but I don't think it's a small thing. He would uh, simply just go to the bench after every offensive series, pay no attention to the defense, and just kind of have his head in the papers. And if you've ever been to a game while Gase was the head coach, and if you were looking on the sidelines, you would see that he's not even talking to players. He's not talking to players. He's not talking to coaches. He's doing his own little thing in his plays, uh, in his uh, sheets that, that show all the plays that had happened the previous drive as he get, got ready for the next drive. And to me, that's troublesome. And I know we might be beating a dead horse here with Adam Gase, but I just want to get the point across of how important it is for these coaches to be involved on the sideline with their players and their assistants. Gase would just sit there. I remember going to the Cincinnati game with Sutton and others, and it was when the momentum was turning and the Bengals were were just putting their foot on the gas and not letting go. And even with that, I could feel it in the stadium as a fan. As a fan, I could feel the momentum turning from the end of that third quarter into the fourth quarter and then all throughout the fourth quarter. If I can feel it as a fan... Why didn't Adam Gase feel it? You know, I feel like a a good head coach in that moment would have regrouped the entire team, would have talked to them, calmed them down a little bit, slowed the game down just a bit, and get them right on the back track. Get them right back on the right track. I think I said that wrong. Anyways, but he didn't. He sat on the bench by himself, his head in the play sheets, and nothing fruitful came of it. To me, that's problematic. We've seen the Patriots coaches, we've seen other coaches around the NFL get very involved with their uh, units on the sideline. It's time to see coordinators getting involved again. It's time to see the head coach having a grand view of the entire team who actually knows what he's doing, right? Because you can say, well, Joe Philbin had a grand view of the entire team, but let's face it. I don't think Joe Philbin even knew what he was doing on offense, never mind defense. Brian Flores is obviously a defensive mastermind, or so they say he is, and he grew up in the scouting department and spent time on the offensive side of the ball as well. He's a smart guy. He's going to know what's happening on both sides of the ball and all three phases of the team So it's going to be refreshing to have a guy standing on the sideline, understanding the entire 30,000-foot view of the team, and knowing when to push the right buttons. Now moving on to the quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen. Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the lead. Brian Flores named him the starter. Not the starter, but the leader in the clubhouse as the quarterback competition Continued over the past week and over the past few days, but this past weekend, Josh Rosen made tremendous strides and closed the gap considerably versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Ryan Fitzpatrick appears to be regressing to the mean, while Josh Rosen has really stepped it up a notch and really started to prove his worth in this system and on this team, and it looks like if he continues what he's doing, 
I don't think there's any way the Dolphins cannot start him week one. Now, Brian Flores says that Fitzpatrick is going to start on Thursday night, which is all fine and dandy because, honestly, it's actually better for the Dolphins and better for Josh Rosen and better for those who are rooting for Josh Rosen to have Fitzpatrick start on Thursday because, as I said at the top of the show, the starters will not play a ton. And if you're the second string guy, if you're that backup quarterback coming in, you're probably going to play up until halftime, sometimes into the third quarter a bit as well. Now, you know the Dolphins got Jake Rudolph as their third string quarterback, so I'm not really sure they're comfortable putting him in two full quarters there. So if Josh Rosen is in fact the second quarterback, which I expect him to be, then I would expect him to go up until halftime, if not a little bit into the third quarter as well. That will get him more experience in the system, more experience with others around him, and more experience with Chad O'Shea calling plays in his ear as he continues to learn the playbook and all the different assignments that are on the field. Now, once that first game is over and let's say Fitzpatrick plays okay, but Josh Rosen plays better, then it would not surprise me at that point for Josh Rosen to be named the leader in the clubhouse Not necessarily the starter, though, because you still have three preseason games left. Now, in that second game, let's say Josh Rosen is that starter going into that. We know game two, the starters play a little longer. Josh Rosen, as a starter, would play a little longer. Fitzpatrick would come in, had that chance to battle him. And, of course, the Dolphins probably want to get some time for Rosen with the ones as well, just so they can kind of get a fair evaluation and apples for apples, although it's not always apples for apples, but as close as you could possibly can, get that there for Rosen and Fitzpatrick to have that kind of baseline there. And then after week two, it wouldn't surprise me at that point if the Dolphins, if it's not close anymore, if it appears that Rosen's running away with it, it would not surprise me the Dolphins at that point named the starting quarterback for the opening of the season. We know that week three is that dress rehearsal for week one, And if Rosen is a starter there, he can have a full week gearing up for that uh, third preseason game, which the coaches around the NFL do put in a game plan for and have that feeling and the opportunity and understanding of what it takes under Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea to be a starting quarterback going into each week's game. Then, of course, week four is just kind of there just to be there. Starters rarely play. If they do, it's one series, usually the most. And then they get out of there and just get ready for the regular season. Quarterback competition is heating up. I don't think anybody expected Rosen to close the gap this quickly. I know I didn't, especially after Flores named Fitzpatrick the leader in the clubhouse because Fitzpatrick, quite frankly, was tearing it up. And it did not look like Rosen was coming anywhere close to that. And all of a sudden, the light went on, it seems. And now Rosen is just... Throwing bombs, accurate passes, and getting guys where they need to be. So again, very interesting to watch this play out. The Miami Dolphins depth chart also was released the other day. And I tweeted when it was released. A lot of reporters obviously were were tweeting about it, writing articles about it, because that's their job. But, listen, you should put less than 1% stock into these depth charts, especially before the first preseason game. They mean absolutely nothing. And you saw it that same day in practice when one guy was named the starter and the other guy who was named behind him actually got the first snap with that team. Was it that done on purpose? Maybe by Brian Flores to kind of send that message to say, hey, this depth chart does not mean a thing. Sometimes the head coach doesn't even have any say in putting that first depth chart together. They just give it to some assistants and say, just fill it out. Here's what I'm thinking. But you guys fill it out and get it up just because we have to do it. 
So again, if you're paying any attention to that first depth chart, you should stop paying attention right now. Pay attention to the depth chart that comes out after the first preseason game. Don't pay a ton of attention to that still, but pay a little more attention. After the second preseason game and going into the third preseason game, obviously pay a bit more attention to that one. And then after the third preseason game, continue to keep interest in it and start seeing how things are going to shake out. A few notable things on that depth chart. You got Kalen Balaj or Kenyon Drake listed as a starter. We've talked about how they're going to be splitting uh, snaps this season. It's going to be likely a 60-40, 70-30, 65-35 split with Balaj getting the bulk of the carries right now. It's his uh, starting, and I say that in quotes, starting job to lose, but he is everything the coaches want him to be. Another interesting one, looking at you know the, the tight ends, you got Nick O'Leary, you got Mike Jasicki, Dwayne Allen. They're still battling that out, but again, as I've said, Jasicki is going to be used as a role player on this offense. He is not going to be in every down tight end. And yes, that is typically becoming kind of the norm around the NFL, where you guys, where you have your specialty guys, and not so much guys who are playing every down. It's going to be interesting to see how Chad O'Shea uses Mike Jasicki in the in the red zone and, and getting into space and getting into the middle of the field and being able to high point that ball. Unfortunately, Jasicki was not used the right way under Adam Gase, and it could have been a detriment to his career if Adam Gase remained in Miami as he was asked to block quite a bit last season, even though we all know that Mike Jasicki's specialty is not blocking. So we will see how the Dolphins use him this year. They are very excited about Nick O'Leary. Nick O'Leary, there's no way that he does not make this team unless he falls off the face of the earth uh, in the next few weeks. The Dolphins absolutely love the guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he's tight end number two right behind Dwayne Allen at tight end one. Both of those guys can be every down tight ends, which is exactly what the Dolphins are looking for. Receiver position, you got Devontae Parker, you got Kenny Stills, you got Albert Wilson in the slot, you got Jakeem Grant lined up on the outside as well. Lots to prove for that wide receiver core looking for Devontae Parker to continue his great training camp and carry that over into the regular season. Signs are looking good right now. He's dominating whenever he gets the opportunity. He's even catching balls against the great Xavier Howard. And that is no easy feat as we know it. So good signs there. Let's hope, let's pray that he finally starts living up to that number one pick status. Because if he does, then he's going to be a nice weapon for the Dolphins, whoever's sitting behind center, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Rosen. Preston Williams also making a big impact, making his way up the depth charts, showing that he belongs in the NFL. If he didn't have that domestic violence case against him, he very much likely would have been a day-two pick. Dolphins took a low-risk, high-reward chance on him, and so far it's paying off. We will see if that continues. On the defensive side of the ball, you're looking at Raekwon McMillan struggling to maintain his starting role, fending off some other guys there. I don't know if Raekwon McMillan is going to be on this team for much longer. And I say that uh, not in the terms of the immediacy where they're going to cut him this year. No, that's probably not the case especially with Mike Cole going on the uh, physically unable to perform list. His season is done and other injuries the Dolphins are dealing with. But if Raekwon does not prove that he can get a good grasp of the system, that he can fully recover from his torn ACL from his rookie season that he suffered in the very first preseason game going out for a special team snap on the punt return team, 
then the Dolphins may have no choice but to release him after this season. Again, a long way to go. Raekwon could prove all of us wrong. He could prove everyone wrong once he gets on that field and shows that he can still keep up, that he can still use that explosiveness, that he can still recover from that injury, and that he can still play football the way he has always played football. So Patrick Graham and the other coaches on the staff are looking to utilize him to his best strengths. They're figuring all that out. And they're hopeful they can get that, you know, get him back where he needs to be and be part of this starting defensive unit. Otherwise, there may be guys looking to come take his spots. And we know Brian Flores, the best man, is going to play no matter who you are. Speaking of that, Rashad Jones being injured over the weekend in a walking boot. Perhaps it's turf toe, perhaps it's something else. But even his status for week one right now is up in the air going to be very interesting to see what this injury is and whether or not there is any correlation to Rashad Jones spending time away from the team during organized workouts or if it's something totally different and unrelated. My hunch is that if it's a foot injury, it's something totally unrelated, but you know there's always that chance and the opportunity to pile on Rashad Jones and not necessarily me, but fans, uh, if they can find an excuse to get on his case for missing organized team activities. I threw a lot at you just now, and I hope you got all of it. Basically, lots of questions for the Dolphins still to answer, and time is starting to run out. Dolphins will break camp in just a few weeks, and they begin their normal practice schedule for the regular season and throughout the rest of the regular season. But listen, basically, you're less than a month away from the first game, which is the Packers versus the Bears, on September 5th. Then September 8th, which is exactly one month from when you are listening this on Wednesday morning, that's when the Dolphins play a meaningful football game. And that month, as we all know, is going to come fast. So the Dolphins have a lot of questions to ask, a lot of questions to answer as well, a lot of things to figure out, and they need to do it in a hurry. Thursday's game against the Falcons will begin that journey, will begin that quest to get those answers, to ask whatever questions they need to ask, and to answer whatever questions they have asked and have already asked prior to training camp and coming in to the last several weeks. The flagship station, flagship Finside Radio, will be with you Thursday morning. It will be our pre-game day release show. We'll go through an in-depth breakdown of the entire game. I gave you a short overview tonight. Finsider Radio crew, me and Houts and Sutton, will be giving you a lot more to digest as you get ready for Dolphins football. Preseason game number one on Thursday evening against the Atlanta Falcons. We're just about back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Dolphins football is hopefully going to be a cause for celebration this year. For me, it's a win-win either way, and I've said this before. If the Dolphins go out and win eight games, if they win seven games, it means they're doing things the right way, they're headed in the right direction, and you got yourself a nice head coach with a nice head coaching staff. If your team goes uh, top, top three pick, top two pick, first pick in the draft, not necessarily the end of the world. Yes, there's going to be some questions about the coaching, but you know what? The Dolphins are going to get their quarterback for the next decade or so. So for me, it's a win-win. For you, it should be a win-win as well. We all want the Dolphins to win. But I think this year is just going to have that different vibe, the different feeling for a lot of Dolphins fans. This is Finsider Daily. 
Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.